Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Thank you, everyone, for joining me today. This is a really special show with my guest, Michael Shuttle. He is an author. He's a career coach. He's an Olympic sailor. Yes, you heard me correctly. Welcome to the show, Michael. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. I, I'm I'm delighted to have you join us because as you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, which you are going to do in just a moment, I just want to say to you that you and I have some mutual connections. And when you talk about yourself, I'm going to be able to say what those are. So why don't you just give our audience a glimpse and this is an incredible person that you are, Michael. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, Marcia, I don't think I'm incredible. But uh, <laughs> so myself, uh, my self-image is is a very lucky guy, um, and I grew up all, always with the understanding that if anything was going to happen, I had to do it myself. I could not rely on my father. Uh, he was a sweet guy, but I did not. He, I couldn't rely on him, and I've been very lucky in my life. I'm happily married to Marcia. We're celebrating our 60th wedding anniversary this summer, and I have two grown sons, one of whom is an entrepreneur, and one of these days he's going to make it big. He tells, keeps telling me that. He has okay. yet. And the other son is a philosophy professor, very analytical and very thoughtful. He has ideas about what is reality. And I live in Rolling Hills in the Palestine Peninsula. It was a lovely gated area. Uh, we've been here almost 50 years. We got in before wow. it got really expensive. <laughs> and I'm lucky, and I'm from the East Coast originally, and I sail in, in Maine, the state of Maine. I bought a summer place there years ago. I sold it because it was too expensive to maintain and too much trouble <laughs> for my wife. And now we rent, and I love Maine. And Maine is very different from California, and, and it's a great, and, but the, both are wonderful places. So uh, that's who I am. And uh, my, uh, my philosophy is, my grandmother used to tell me, live each day and do the best you can. That's me. You know, that's so interesting because as I talk to my guests, and it happens every week when I hear things about my guests that maybe I did or did not know, um, you mentioned Maine. I've, I, have been, I was born and raised here in Westchester, just three blocks from LMU, which we're going to talk about. But I would go to Maine during the fall. There is nothing like the fall foliage at Acadia and the places in Maine that are just breathtaking. So I I know what it's like to I I know what it's like to be on the East Coast during that time. I know what it's like to be there at other times of the year as well. But it is a very beautiful place. But as you mentioned where you live is also very beautiful. And I think I understood you to say that your wife of almost 60 years, I believe is in yes. the next month or so, her name is also Marsha. Yes, yes, spelled differently than yours, though. 
Correct. She spells it M-A-R-C-I-A. C-I-A. And you know, so you're Marsha and me. We can yep. both talk about Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yes, I heard that once or twice <laughs> growing up. Oh, my God. But, you know, you had quite an education yourself. And um, I think you say you feel lucky, and I, and I believe you do believe that. I would also say, my friend, you are very humble. I, I know that about you and the way you even describe yourself. Um, and what is your connection to Loyola Marymount? Because I know what mine is. Well, I, uh, I, I, I created a course for the Executive MBA program for uh, a career planning course that I, that I named called uh, Growth Planning. And I, uh, I've been teaching and uh, coaching EMBAs for about 17 years. And I had a coaching program as part of it. And, and I had uh, ideas that I developed during those years based on what I'd learned years before that and while I was teaching there. And I uh, retired nice. from that about three or f- about five years ago and have written a book since then. Right. Well, we definitely know some of the same people. Um, for yes. those of you that don't know what EMBA means, that's the, an executive MBA program. It's very, very highly respected at Loyola Marymount. As I said, that is literally three blocks from my home. Um, I've had the good fortune of traveling with some of those EMBA students because my very close friend, Shelley Wells, worked in that EMBA office. So I know a lot of the folks that you know. And, Absolutely. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful um, career path and we're going to be talking about that we're going to be talking all about that because your book i'm just saying for people that are listening and you want to follow along if you go to careerchange.guide and you type that into your google search you will see you will see all about Michael's book, and we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about sailing because I think that's pretty awesome too. But So why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the important things that you feel have impacted your life? Well, um, first of all, uh, I would say uh, I'm very lucky to have a good education all the way through, and I went to private schools, which was very nice, and, and my grandmother paid for them mostly, not my father. And, uh, and they were good schools. And uh, so it was, it was Lawrenceville Boarding School in New Jersey, and Yale University. Actually, I had a scholarship at Yale because uh, my, uh, and, and then uh, Harvard Business School. So I had a great education, which was a wonderful way to begin your life, I think. Uh, then, uh, then, then also when I was very young, 15 years old. I was invited by a man I used to sail with on the Jersey Shore. I grew up sailing on the Jersey Shore, but I, I sailed with this professor, uh, and then he he said, well, we're going to try out and try to go to the Olympics. And we ended up going to the 1952 Olympics in Helsinki, Finland. But I, I went to Sweden in early June and then sailed with him around the archipelago outside of Stockholm. And then we cruised to, to um Helsinki, sailed to the Olympics, and I was an alternate. I sailed in one of the races, and we won that race at the Gold Mountain. I won the regatta. And, but to me, the most uh, – being in the Olympics itself was, was just, to me, sort of like another regatta. I mean, it was fun, but uh, the experience of being in Sweden for almost two months and seeing this culture and getting to know many people in it 
because our, my, the professor was involved with Nobel Institute and spoke Swedish fluently. So that was a great experience. One time when we were sailing, I was having trouble with a, a line. I was pulling and pushing on it. And he said, Mike, stop. Look at it. Think about what these to do and do that. And that was a, a seminal moment in my life because I've always followed that. I, I, when, somebody, when a crisis occurs or something happens, I don't just run off. I stop, think about it. And that has helped me a lot throughout my life. So that's a, a major thing. And then, then I think uh, going to high I, – then I had a business school. I went to Philadelphia. Then I worked for three years for, for an engineering-based firm because I was interested in returning to Philadelphia. But then I saw something at Xerox in the education division that was just beginning. I did that. I ended up working for Xerox for, for uh, 10 years and, and different business units of Xerox. And one thing that was quite obvious in retrospect, each business unit had its own culture. Xerox Corporation was headed by uh, was a, the old Haloid Company, originally by a gentleman that had great values. But the values of each executive leader of the group I was in was different. And some were uh, similar to mine, and I tended to do well in those. And some were not similar to mine, and I didn't do so well. <laughs> so I learned it's best to work where you have similar values with the people you work. That was a lesson I learned at Xerox. Then I, uh, and then I was uh, uh, a, a candidate on a search for hydrogen struggles, and uh, the client didn't want to meet me because I'd gone to Harvard Business School in Yale, and, and he thought I'd be too stuck up and wouldn't work very hard. But the consultant, the consultant said, Mike, what about joining our firm? Uh, I never thought of that, but I ended up joining Hydrogen Struggles, which is an executive search firm that finds executives for companies. We get paid a fee to do the search, and then we do our best to find people. And it was a wonderful place for me because they really, very, again, they were like me. They just wanted to do a good job for their client. They weren't very showy. They weren't high, highfalutin in any way. They're just Chicago sort of Midwestern culture. Oh, dear. Mike? I no longer hear you speaking, and this is a live broadcast, and I'm hoping you will pick this back up. I did hear static on the line, and I'm not exactly sure what just happened, but these things do happen, um, and I'm hoping you will call right back um, and pick this up, because I would see that you know that it dropped, and I will call you back on your phone and let you know that this call um, dropped. Oh, there you are. Okie dokie. There you are, my friend. I thought yeah, yeah. our I thought that our phone conversation had a lot of static in it. I don't hear that static now. I'm not quite sure why your call dropped, but this is life. This is yep. the reality of life. This is the reality of what I do. And so yep. I thought, well, I really can't talk about, oh, well, I guess I could talk about a career change, right? You know, I kind of changed my lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, but right. you're the right. expert, my friend. So you were in the middle of telling us about um, 
the changes. And I, let's move over to um, what, what what happened at Loyola Marymount. I think you mentioned that you were doing a growth planning for the for the executive MBA. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Uh, well, at, at, at Loyola, are we still live now? Yes, we are. Oh, we, honey, we've been okay. live from the get-go. <laughs> okay. Well, anyhow, Loyola Marymount. Actually, um, I, I was sitting next on a plane uh, flying back to the United States, sitting next to the exec, executive director of the EMBA program, and as you explained what it was, and he said, Mike, what about starting a course for us? Because I uh, and I had never thought of that, but yes. So I I created this course, professional growth planning. And I would meet with the executive EAs about uh, three or four times for a one to two hour meeting. And then I would assign uh, homework for them. Then in addition, we had coaches, and, and uh, I recruited some executives, uh, former executives, people I respected as coaches. And then we and we would coach them. We would meet with each MBA and ask them to think about what they were trying to do in their career, and and and, and ask questions and get them to think more more thoughtfully about what they're doing. And um, over time, we became much more uh, professional. At first, it was a pretty amateur hour, I might say. But uh, we, uh, I, I brought in a, a, a partner who was complimented me in many ways. Candy Deemer is her name, and she was she was and I worked together. And then we started becoming more professional, and we hired professionals to be the coaches. But it was still similar. I mean, we met with the students, and um, they, they, uh, many, some of them changed careers. At mm-hmm. first, they were a lot of men were funded by corporations, and they wanted to stay with their corporations because they kept their funding. But uh, but over time, the corporations were not funding them as much, and they were more open and more interested in t- doing something different. But all of them wanted to get ahead in their career, and we were and they were paying a lot for this, and we were we were there to help them, and it was great fun, and I learned a lot from from that course, teaching them about again, it was about knowing who you are, which I'd learned at, at, at Xerox to yes. a certain extent. But I really. But teaching it is where you learn more than just doing it, you, because you have to tell people about it. They ask you questions. They challenge your thinking. It's a great way to learn is to teach something. Sure. Well, you know, it's it's. I I met a lot of those EMBA students because part of what they did in their coursework at LMU was international travel. So I had the very good fortune of traveling around the yeah, world. Yeah, and, she, and, with and those Shelley students. Shelley. Shelley was an administrator in that program. Yes. And she was a very a wonderful. She is a wonderful person. So you're she you're is. lucky to have a good fr- good friend like Shelley. She's a lovely for, lady. For over 45 years, I might add. All That's right. Great. So I know. So before we start talking about your book, which is really incredible, I do <laughs> want you to spend just a few moments telling us about. You are not just a sailor, my friend. You don't just love sailing. You are yeah. an Olympic sailor, as you mentioned at the beginning. Yeah, well, I, I, tell I, us. I, yeah. All right, I will. I'll tell you a little. Okay, so I've actually, uh, I've had. When you look at my career, I have had 40 years of experience in uh, in, in this area of helping people find jobs and stuff like that. Whether it's and then Xerox before that, and and I have 40 years experience involved with the Olympics. Because what happened was after these 52 Olympics, my brother tried out for the Olympics in, in 56, and I was at that point, I was in the Navy, but I, I was able to come back and sail in one of the regattas, and my brother came in and won the Olympic trials, and, and he went on to uh, sail in Melbourne and got a fourth in the Olympics. He, he, could have, he almost got a, a bronze medal, but didn't quite, an accident occurred that 
stopped him from doing that. But then I then I got uh, was not for a couple of years. I wasn't involved. But then in Los Angeles, the Olympics was coming to Los Angeles, and I got asked to put together the organization to run the sailing competition. And the reason was that is because nobody knew me, so I didn't have any enemies. <laughs> There's a lot of politics in these organizations, oh, and there were God. two major different groups, and and they didn't know me. So and the guy who was uh, oh oh I'm sorry I, I I went to the 72 Olympics in 72 I tried out in 72, and my skipper the skipper and I were second in our trials, and we both went to Kiel, Germany as alternate. So that was 20 years after 52. So 52, 72. Then um, that got me, I, um, uh, anyhow, that got me continued involvement with the Olympics. And then um, I, I, uh, when I started taking over the management and putting together an organization to run the Sailing Olympics, the governing body of the sport, now called U.S. Sailing, asked me to sit on the Olympic Sailing Committee for the, the sport. And so I was there, I, and, I, and I organized the, the Olympic competition and then ran the competition in, 80, in 84. And it was great fun. We got to see the sponsor. We, we got to see the athletes from all different countries, the sailors, and got to know them because they would come in multiple years. And, and we got to know that we had about four or 500 people involved in this effort because there's so much to it in terms of security, um, support boats, um, uh, dealings with the sailors, and uh, it was a great experience. And also, uh, I might add, it's kind of humorous, but th- there's a lot of royals came to the sailing. And my wife was on the protocol committee. My marsha was on the protocol committee, <laughs> so she met all these uh, uh, aristocrats from Europe, and uh, she had a lot of fun with that. But. Anyhow, yeah. that my involvement running the Olympics, and it went very well. In fact, I got a very nice letter from the head of the International Olympic Organization thanking me for the great, how well it went. And, and I have a, had this letter today. I'm very happy to have that. Um, and so then it got me involved a little bit in the U.S. ceiling. They said, do you want to be run the Olympics now? I said, no, 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 no. I, I don't want to run the Olympic Committee now. I just got through with running the Olympics. I, I got to take, I got to go back to work. And uh, But I did get asked, uh, after four years later, in uh, 1987, about, I said, uh, wait a minute. Uh, I, uh, they said, Mike, come on, could you run the Olympic program in 88 to 92? And I said, sure, I'll do that then. So I, then I was overall responsible for the U.S. Sailing's Olympic program. That meant, wow. uh, uh, that meant I set up regattas so that Olympians would sail. For instance, I put a regatta in place in Florida in the wintertime. So our mm-hmm. Olympians would sail against Olympians from other sports, from other countries, because people from Europe don't have much sailing they can do in January. And, um, and then I, I, I sponsored the sailors to create the Olympic sailing team, and they got sponsorship money. We, we, we had different regattas, but um, there was a pre-Olympic regatta I went to in Barcelona, which was a wonderful place for the Olympics sailing. And then in, in uh, 1992, um, I was a team leader, and, and being the team leader is sort of like the daddy with a checkbook, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, and I, because I sailed in the Olympics, I knew how important it was for sailors to focus on what they are doing at the moment and not about winning a medal. 
And that's another message I learned in life. Uh, you have to be focused on the moment and what you're doing. And so I did everything I could so they were relaxed and focused. I had a masseuse there. I had industrial psychology. The U.S. Olympic Committee has psychologists that work with mm-hmm. their athletes, and I, I got them to work with our sailors. And, uh, and the team did very well. We med- got medals in nine out of ten events, which is probably the well actually the most medals in u.s sailing and i probably the most medals in the olympics that year for, for wow. a single sport a single sport and uh and then so that that was my olympic experience and after that i i was on the committee but the guy who followed me wasn't as interested in learning he wanted to do it his own way it didn't work out so well for him but it worked out okay um and i i helped run the olympic trials a few years later out here in long beach That was going to be my question to you, Mike. Honestly, excuse my interruption because I know we're going to talk about your book because that's that's very important. But what was occurring to me, knowing you know where I live and how close we are to the Pacific Ocean, um, I was thinking about when you were doing all of this practicing, what – where were you? Were you in Santa Monica? Were you in Palos Verdes? Where were you? Oh, um, I'm well. I, the Olympic trial, the Olympics were held in Long Beach, and I'm, I'm a member. Okay. And at that time, was a member of the Alameda Bay Yacht Club in Long Beach, and, mm-hmm. and um, but the sailing with Dr. Chance, um, actually, um, I sailed with him in Scandinavia a lot. Actually, I, I sailed uh, uh, in Tallinn, Estonia, a couple times with him. Uh, one summer, I was, uh, yeah, I, I sailed in the Baltic with him, and uh, and, and I'm a, a member of the. Uh, of an organization that honors sailing in Scandinavia, and I've gone several cruises, uh, like a 10-day cruises in Scandinavia. Mm. Uh, so I've, I've actually raced a lot in Scandinavia. Then in France, too. I, I, I sailed one year uh, in a major regatta in France in Cannes. So a lot of the, my, my sailing of the high, when I was younger and more involved, uh, I, I sailed a lot in, in, in Europe. And, and, I see. And then, of course, and of course, um, now uh, and then I sailed in the junior program and my and I sailed in the local regattas here at Alameda Bay Yacht Club. Um, then when we started going to Maine, uh, and it was about uh, uh, 2000 that I retired from work, and I was in Maine every summer. Then I started racing there, and uh, they have an they have a class boat of the Oakland Club. I'm a member, and I sailed there for 10 years uh, racing. So hmm. and, and cruise in Maine. The Maine cruising is very different than here. Uh, here we have a, a coast, of, uh, then we islands off the coast, but not not many harbors, and it's not very interesting. Uh, whereas Maine has a lot yes. of rocky rocks and islands and and currents mm-hmm. and weather t- patterns coming through, and many old towns that are they're fascinating to visit and harbors that are each unique. And so the, uh, my ceiling has been racing, yes. But also cruising, and then I've sailed nice. in the Acapulco race and Bermuda race. Uh, so I've really been very fortunate in the sport of sailing. It sounds in every like dimension. It. Yeah, wow, every dimension. Terrific. Yeah. Well, I, I, we probably could do an entire show about that, but I really do want to spend <laughs> the rest of our show really right, focusing on this outstanding book called Career Change Guide because it really is a guide. And so I'd like to know, when and why did you actually start writing this book? What was the well, impetus behind this? Well, when I, when I decided to retire from, from uh, LMU, I, said, I, I was thinking, you know, I've, I've learned a lot. And I, I really wanted to help other people 
in their lives. And I see people make, you know, with the LMU students, some of them, you know, they didn't, they, they, they needed some help. Okay. And, and I see a lot of people don't really know how to go about finding a job or figuring out what they want to do. And I learned a lot about that. And I thought I can help people. If I write a book that really is helpful to people, that would, that's what I'd like to do. And then I can help mm-hmm. more people. And, and, and in this stage of my life, uh, that you really you're not trying to run anything. You're just trying to be helpful. That's the joy of life, I think, at the later stages of it. And, Boy, and you're so, not kidding. You, yeah. I mean, what you just said is an absolute mouthful. I'm going to digress just to tell you. While I was at the bank today, and this older gentleman did not understand how to put his debit card into the reader so that the teller could help him, no one was around to help him, and I thought, how can I sit here and not help this gentleman? Right, So absolutely. I stood up to him, and I said, okay, push the card all the way in. Do you know your PIN number? Put those numbers in now. Push that green button. And then it worked, and I turned around, and I looked at the other people standing in line, and I said, I'm not special. This is what we're all supposed to be doing. We are supposed to be helping absolutely. people. Isn't that yes. the truth, Mike? It oh, it is, is the and the joy. How did you feel about it? You must have felt I so felt happy. That you- absolutely. I, I don't know who was happier, frankly. So I, <laughs> I get that. I absolutely get what you're saying. Um, yes. So let me ask you, because all of a sudden I'll be digressing and we'll be talking about sports. <laughs> uh, no, we don't want to do that. So I, I, because I do have a lot of people that are writers, that are authors, that have been on my podcast a lot, yeah. everyone has their own process of writing. And I have yeah. come to find that that's very – it's not universal for everybody. So I'd like to hear about your actual writing process. How do you, how well, do you go about – how did you go about writing this book? Okay, for this book, first of all, I, uh, you know, I taught a course, so I had that sort of as a, a backdrop. But I, I, did, I wrote an outline. I did create an outline, just a casual, you know, as best I could do what I would include in the book. Um, and then, uh, then uh, I did that during the summer, one summer in May, actually, got started. And then I started writing the book and, and uh, modifying the outline and sort of doing And took about a year, and I made a first draft of the book. Um, then... Um, I started, then I showed it to, uh, and for editing, I have a wife who, Marcia, was a school teacher, and mm. uh, she taught French, but she also taught uh, grammar. And so I had her edit the book, and I have a son, the, the son who's an entrepreneur, he's actually a very good writer, and, and he's very smart, a lot smarter than I am. And I had him read it and, and critique it. And then, I, so I started editing it, and they had ideas, but then that, that I have written many books. The back of the book is a bibliography of about 30 books that I've read about. Oh, okay. And I haven't mentioned that, but yes, I've uh, I've read. There've been some studies of human life development and how people change in their lives, and 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 how uh, love is. Um, I, I, years ago, I read a book called The Art of Loving by Eric Fromm that was really got me yep. started in. In, uh, in this, but, uh, and, uh, but so I've read a lot of books about it, and I, so I thought a lot about uh, uh, what I was writing. And, I, and for instance, um, well, uh, uh, an idea about, um, uh, 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 for instance, networking. Uh, it turns out 
that that uh, and the numbers are that about say 70 percent of people who find jobs or about two thirds of people who find jobs find them because somebody referred them. It's a networking that is really the key. But it had the process. Therefore, it was I was writing based on what I been teaching but also i read a lot and thought a lot i got I, I i bought a half a dozen books that were similar subjects to see what they were saying just to get a feel for what other, other people were saying but mainly it was my own ideas and, and i learned just so much from just reading and experience but then editing was uh, w w took three years and what i found in editing was many times i would repeat the same thing twice uh, I, you know, I repeat one. I repeat it once, and, I'd say, yes. and then, I'd say, then I'd say the same thing again in a different way. And uh, so I, it took me a long time to figure that out and to structure each each paragraph, each chapter in a similar way. Because my book is a how-to book, so I I eventually I, I figured out the best way to do is start out with each chapter. I say what, I, what it's about. And then, then, and it's about values. You talk about how do you figure out who, what your values are, and I offer different ideas about how people figure out what their values are. And then I tell a story that's right. of somebody oh, who right. based their life on their values. Then I give uh, some recommended actions for somebody who wants to do this. At, and then I at the book, and then I often left a little room in the back for notes, so somebody could re read my books, think about what to do, see this story, and then think about themselves. And then the, then I ask certain questions in my my recommended actions. So I went through the whole process, starting with, with then I first of all you got to plan what you do first. It's, that's sort of my that's how I live anyway. I, I don't because just like Dr. Chance said, uh, stop, think about it. Do what's right and do that. So you stop, think about it. You write a book. You stop. You think about what you're writing. But then you start writing. You don't just start writing. At least me, anyway. Um, right. And uh, and um, anyhow, so I um, I developed a, a process for the book, and and the process is is thinking about it, and then getting organized, and then then trying to find a job, and then actually interviewing and getting the job, and then starting at the new company. They're all. Each is a different step in the process. It's a process here, and, and uh, uh, it takes a lot of work. Uh, and you asked who the books for. The books for a thoughtful person who's willing to do a lot of self-assessment and effort to find the right job for themselves. It's not somebody that, that wants to make. It's a salesman. They want to get a sales job at another company doing similar products. No, it's a person that doesn't like what they're doing and they don't quite know why. They're not sure what they want to do. This is a way to figure out what you want to do, and it's based on who you are as a person and who you are. I like your that. Value, your your mm -hmm. values, what you, how you process, how do you think. For instance, I think, I think I've told you this, I think somebody says something to me, I think, well, um, what's, how's that sense? Does that make sense based on what I know? Well, my wife thinks, why are they saying that? What are they feeling? So how people think is important. Some people some people uh, uh, like to plan. Others just jump in and go for it. Uh, so you have to understand how people think. And and there's, uh, of course, there's uh, Myers-Briggs, which is a very good tool for that. Right. And, um, and other tools like uh, but anyhow, then you have to figure out what you want to do, what, what's the right role for you and, and where you are in your life. And if you're just beginning, you can't be an executive. You have to be a worker, and then you become a manager, and, and then you maybe become a professional or you go on to be a, a leader in a larger organization. 
Isn't or maybe that why they call it a ladder? And go out on your, some people like to just, like a branch, uh, uh, one of the best jobs in the Navy is to be a, is to run your, is to be a, a, a captain of a ship. That is the mm-hmm. best job in the Navy because you are, the captain is your ship, the, the, your charge, your sailors. And if you're really successful, you go on to be a, a senior officer and you're an admiral. You don't run anything then. You're just a political guy. <laughs> but the other guys, <laughs> people have fun. So, so, and, and many companies, the best jobs in the company are managing an independent uh, operation. So some people just do that their whole life because they're happy with that. And, uh, and then the other point about life is your balance. Um, I had sailing. Oh, boy, I mean, yes. I, yeah, I spent a lot of time in, in running the Olympics and being involved in the Olympics and going sailing. Uh, but I always had – I was lucky. Uh, once I left Xerox and I was at Hydric and Struggles, I had my own searches, and I could manage the searches the way I wanted to. So if I was traveling to interview candidates, I might also time it with a, a place I wanted to go to sail or go to a meeting because I went to a lot of meetings when I was running the Olympic program. And, and mm-hmm. actually, I, did, I didn't say that. I also became an officer of the sport of sailing. At one point, I was vice president of U.S. Sailing, wow. the governing body of the sport, and hmm. I was a candidate for the presidency. And uh, then they picked somebody else, and I said to myself, you know, I'm glad they didn't pick me. Blessing, <laughs> right? A because blessing it, in that, disguise. It was a blessing because you know, I didn't. Yeah. I don't like to be a, 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 a go to a lot of meetings. I like to do things more than go to meetings. So uh, you and, know, and, it's and, it's so interesting, and I really. I really do so recommend that people go to your website, and, and frankly, the book can be purchased right there off your website. But it's a brilliant, a brilliant cover. Oh, thank you, thank you. It's a brilliant cover. First of all, I recognize those trees because it reminds me of Maine. Um, yes. And it's it is and for you to write career change guide on top. For you to have this beautiful picture of trees in the background, which happens to look like a path going left or right. Now, frankly, if you gave it a really <laughs> peculiar look, it looks like the capital letter M, but that's just because I'm making this about <laughs> me right now. But that is the intent. But, but what's below that is also brilliant. Taking the right path could make all the difference. And I don't hear this as judgy, like, well, and if you don't, well, then you're just doomed to fail. There's nothing no. judgy about this at all. I, I, there's nothing judgy about this. What this book contains, and it's so well structured, is just like you said, there are chapters. There are recommended actions. There, I, I mean, it's, it's brilliant, Mike. It, it, it is really oh, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Well, thank you. I know about brilliant. But the, the, the title, incidentally, the subtitle is taken from Robert Frost's poem, The Road Not Taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote this, and, and, and he wrote a poem about the road not taken, and that was, that was, it's almost a direct quote. The end of it is, two roads diverged in the woods, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Right. That was how that poem ended, The Road Not it, Taken it, by Robert Frost, written in 1916. It, well, it's 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 like I said, people. I told you he was humble. Uh, it's brilliant. Um, you know, you you're. I find you so interesting because oh, you, you have lived a you have lived a very fruitful life. Um, you are not a bystander in your own life. I loved the fact that you talked about balance 
because it really doesn't matter who you are right now that's listening to this podcast. If you are out of balance, now this is just me speaking out of just personal experience. If you are out of balance, you tend to tip because you're not stable. And it's not like we have to know all the answers. We don't have all the answers. There's nothing wrong with searching and learning more. I talk about this all the time with my friends. Like, really, you're still doing this? Yes. Yes, I know. I've been doing this for seven years. Yes, every week. And what happened today? Oh, guess what? My collar dropped. Oh, that wasn't fun. I wonder what you're going to talk about now. Well, I hope he comes back. And lo and behold, he did. And now we don't have a scratchy um, 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 a sound, which is all the better. So perhaps that happened on purpose as well. But I think that it's the way you've structured this and the way that you are helping people think about their careers. Because, you know, people do make those changes. And with the pandemic and with the way people have had to maybe work from home or not have communication with others or whatever it is the job that they're doing or they want to further their education like these LMU students did. And I should probably just throw this out there because we keep using those initials. LMU stands for Loyola Marymount University, just for those of you that don't know what LMU stands for. I just wanted to actually put that out there. But I believe that... um, It's important, and I think you mentioned this, uh, Mike, about knowing yourself, especially your values. Why do you think that is so important? Because that's the core of who you are. That is the core of your relationships with other people. You, You only have good relationships with people who have similar values as you do. Then you trust each other. You understand each other. You can communicate with each other. If you have different values, it's sort of like two boats passing at night where they're, you know, they're just not communicating. You cannot really have a strong relationship with somebody who has different values. They may have a different style. They may even have a different culture. And today, people more than ever are marrying with people with different cultures. But the values, the underlying sense of, of, of values, and, and values are many things. Values, I say think about core values, and then there's cultural values too. I mean, in some cultures uh, are, are honor the, uh, um, I'm just thinking of the difference in cultures, but I mean, there's many. And Maine, for instance, has a different culture than California. California is more optimistic, and, and the cultures here are, are fresher. There's no, not, not, there isn't the history sort of. Where in Maine the culture is is it's, it's uh, it actually Maine is the most it's, it's the least mixed culture of any state in the country. It's old-fashioned mm-hmm. your Eng- uh, your Eng- uh, New England culture. California is very um, it's, it's more um, Asian. It's it's Mexican. It's white, uh, uh, and it's more mixed, and, and it's more much more dynamic. And uh, so the cultures are different. And some people want a dynamic culture. Others don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Depends on who you are and what's it, what what you like to do. And, and so there are very different. And some industries. I make a point in the finance industry. Some people uh, are, are, are very thoughtful 
and 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 measured, and that's what people involved with um, planning and 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 managing uh, assets do. Whereas some other people, and I have a friend that like this, who who is a trader, and he he wants to do the uh, he wants he he's he's brash, he's not humble. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he he has an ego, but but and he he makes quick decisions, and then he's not always right. But uh, and uh, I have a story about him. He, he was uh, uh, going to get a job. He wanted to get a job with one of the major companies uh, trading trading securities for them, and uh, their um, their biggest the, the leading company uh, I think was Goldman Sachs in this field of trading. And so he prepared on his on a shoe. On one shoe he wrote "fuck," on the other he wrote <gasps> "Goldman." And then he went to the meeting with his head of trading with this other firm, and he put his shoes on his desk. And the guy looked at him and said, "You're hired." <laughs> oh wow, that's pretty funny. Because he's Gosh. brash, he's brash and confident, and, and that's what they're looking for. But he he would not be a good person to help you manage your money or your estate. But he's mm-hmm. a person. It can do a quick trade on on uh, quickly, and he may not he may win, and he's made a lot of money. He's lost a lot of money, I might add. <laughs> wow. Well, let me, let me so let me ask you something. So, I think your book probably can benefit a lot of different people, but you did decide to self-publish it, didn't you? What was yes, what I was did. Uh, what, why why self-publish? Well, because I didn't want somebody else telling me how to do it or wanting their eye. I wanted uh, publishers want to say, "Oh no, you have to restructure this. It's not marketable. It's the way this is." And uh, I, my impression was, with publishers, you lose control as an author. Uh, I felt so. I, I, I wanted mm-hmm. to be in control uh, because it was my story, basically, and my career and my ideas. And uh, interesting. Yeah. Well, that that makes that makes sense to me. You know, I I know there's an epilogue in the book, right? You want to tell us yes, a little bit yes. about that? Yeah, yeah. I, I the epilogue is a is I take a story from the Olympics. Um, and there was a, a sailor, a woman sailor, uh, who sailed a single-handed boat. She she trained well. She was a very good sailor. And in the first race, she started. And then she was so aggressive, she was over the starting line early. She didn't go back. When she got to the weather mark, they told her she was disqualified. Mm. So she went, she went, and, she, and, and you're given, you have seven races when you're in those Olympics. There were seven races, and you could throw out your worst race. So she still was in the game. Uh, so, but then, then when, I'm, when we're leaving, she's leaving the dock the next morning. Um, I went down there to be with her because I just wanted her to be relaxed and think about having a good – she's a good sailor and do well and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. she turns – just before she leaves, she, and there's a trainer there standing next to me, and she says, what's the word, guys? And the trainer – I could have killed him. He said, gold medal, that's the word. Well, she was over that starting line early too and disqualified. Mm-hmm. And here she was, mm-hmm. two races down, disqualified in both, five races to go. She was out of it. So she said, well, I'll just sail and do my – have fun. I'll just sail and have fun. She won a bronze medal. She did so well when she relaxed and just sailed to have fun. And so that's – that's the, the, point, the point is in life, you do what you love to do, and you enjoy it, and you try to do well at it. And, and you don't try to win some – you're not trying to make money or be important. 
You're trying to do something that you believe in and you want to do it well, and you'll enjoy that. And and and, and, and so that's that's one of the lessons uh, that the, that's what the epilogue's about is is live in the moment and do your best. That's basically it. And in fact, the Olympic motto, and I, I have it right here. The Olympic Please, motto is the, the most important thing in the Olympic Games is not to win, but to take part. Just as the most important thing in life is not to triumph, but to struggle. That's the Olympic motto. Interesting. That's, the triumph, that's, that's, not the, 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 the yeah. it's not the triumph, it's the struggle. Hmm. That's what life's about. Well, that's 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 very thought-provoking. Um, I could see where, if it's on, if life is only a struggle, you know, I would almost question that. I I would like to think that maybe there could be a combination of the two because if life was truly, I'm applying this just to myself, so I'm only speaking about me at this point. But if if everything I did was a struggle. And sometimes, yeah, yeah. you know, I say to myself, boy, this adulting really sucks. I want somebody <laughs> else to do the adulting for me for a while. You know, I mean, really, yeah. I'll say that to some of my my single, either divorced or widowed girlfriends, and I'll say, oh, my God, you know, this is, you know, this is a whole adulting thing, and trying to learn all of this information sometimes is a bit overwhelming. But, yeah. you know... This is when my husband would say, "It is what it is." So adapt. Um, yeah, well, I, I yeah, I, 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 but I, I don't really think it's a struggle. I don't think I don't consider my life to be a struggle. Um, I, I just I think I, I've enjoyed it. It's been fun. Uh, I've I've done things that I like to do, and I've been able to do them. And I, I never would have thought I was ever going to be an executive search, and I. And it turned out to be the right thing for me. And when I got out of business school, I wanted to go back to Philadelphia to be. But I'm so happy I'm not in Philadelphia. <laughs> I love. Okay. Yeah, it's a different world. I mean, it, the, the, the people that I've met so many interesting people here in California, and I have so many yes. different. I mean, I'm involved actually in something called Beacon House, which is I haven't told you about that, but it's a residential therapy. It's a residential therapy center in San Pedro. Where it's for drug and and alcohol addicted men who have totally lost it can come there. They pay nothing. And they can live there, and they 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 can be there for as long as four years. There's no limit to how long they can be there, but they're there with other men who have been drug alcoholics, and they learn to get rid of their alcoholism. They learn there's some cause. Their story, they tell their story to other men. The other men say, well, yeah, that's interesting. That's so sad. And I have a similar story. And, and they help each other. And then they have mm-hmm. therapists there. And these drug-addicted men become, um, become uh, fully uh, uh, balanced human beings. And they learn a trade while they're there or, or, or uh, some profession or something. And, and, uh, they, and they learn... They've, and they feel, after the first year there, they feel very grateful to have been given this opportunity to get rid of their addiction. And they, they're so determined to continue doing it. And it's all paid for uh, by uh, government money, grants of, uh, uh, from foundations, and, and, and some businesses that they have that make money. They, 
they have a, a culinary they, they they cook they cook food they all work there so they cook in the, they cook in the kitchen for the, mm-hmm. the, the themselves but then they have contracts with local uh, uh, homeless shelters to pay, feed people and they they have two thrift stores each of which would people donate furniture and clothes and stuff like that and they sell it uh, and there's they're very profitable business and and they all work in those stores. And, and then we donated some gardens to them. And my wife's a passionate gardener, and she and I went down there and worked on it. But then one day this guy shows up, and we, we see that somebody's been working in the garden. And we find out it, he's a former truck driver who loves gardening. And now he's in charge of the garden, and he absolutely wow. loves it. And he's terrific at it. And he's got two helpers now. And and it's his job, it's his responsibility. The garden's not ours. It's his and, and uh, so you, it's a joyful thing to see people have changed their lives. So that's that's something that I've been involved in, and um, uh, I'm very feel very fortunate again to be a part of that. So and my I wife got that. her involved. I got her involved too, and she knows these guys Good. very well now. Yeah. That that is so that is so um, uplifting. I I'm a Rotarian. I know what it means to give back. Um, and yes. it, and I do, and I know what you get from it is more than sometimes. Oh um, yes, it, it, oh you, yes. You give you so cannot. much more. It's yes, just, you get more it, than you give. Yes, always. Yes, it seems to me. It's, it's really, it's really the beauty of life. And I know that while there might be, you know, we didn't even talk about what's going on in the world today. But if there was ever a time to feel grateful. Living yes, here yes. in the United States. Oh, it's yes, now. you're right. Absolutely, absolutely. And, yes. You know, and I don't take any of that for granted. I, I am, yeah. I'm very aware of my blessings, and mm-hmm. why, when you have them, wouldn't you want to share them? That's why people say to me, "Why do you do this every week?" It's like because you can't imagine what I get out of talking to oh, people yes. that love. What they do. I'm not yes. talking to people that hate what they do. That wouldn't make for a very interesting. Uh, I mean, maybe no. it would, but I don't know if I would want to listen to it. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. It's like, it oh, what do you hate about experience. your life? Oh, let's go on with that, you know? That sounds a little ridiculous. <laughs> it's a real but, downer, I would say. I'm, seriously. But, you know, um, I have a feeling. I, I, I guess I, I didn't realize you'd written 30 books, number one. Number two, at this stage in your life, I mean, this is a how-to book, as you as you said. Are you contemplating another book by any chance? Uh, you know, I I'm not. I I've thought about doing a. a, a uh, I've been asked by my son to do a book on my sailing history and all the people I've known. Uh huh. But I just it, you need a lot of pictures for that, and I don't have a lot of pictures, and and that's a. Awful lot of work, and I'm 85 years old, and I'm doing Gosh. stuff at Beacon House, and I'm on. I've got a lot of different things I'm doing now. So I may write. I may write a, a, a notebook, a workbook, sort of a an, a book for somebody um, who would read my book, and they they they'd want to do what I'm recommending. But they it may uh-huh. be good to have a, another a companion book with it. But I'm not so sure of that because I already leave space in it for notes. So it's almost what I. Uh, a combination of a workbook and a, and a book with ideas. So I'm not sure. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. So I don't I, know. Uh, my grandfather yeah. wrote a book actually on sailing that is is an amazing book. Uh, uh, wow. The history of 
you know, and, and my brother was a, was a an attorney, and he wrote a book on um, on law, and, and he wrote a law book about different stuff. And people tell me that he was really great. I don't know. <laughs> he was my brother. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. When I, I when know. ideas pop into your mind, because I had this conversation with an author last week. Yeah. When ideas pop into your mind, do you tend to make a note of that right then? Like, do you have paper in the kitchen and paper in the bedroom and paper in the uh, office? Yes, yes, I do, I do, I do. Little, little, I have these little slips of paper I keep around yep. for, for for ideas. And I write them down right, very often. Yeah, it's a mess yeah. sometimes. And, I know, uh, and then compiling them, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. And That's you, true. When you were when you were writing your guide, um and when did you start writing it? Well, I I've I, I know I should know well, that, but um, I don't have I had it a year. I can't remember the year exactly, but I say about 5 years ago, maybe 6 okay. years ago. So when you when you were writing that, were you you had I mentioned you mentioned that you started with an outline and that you, yes. you kind of worked off the outline. Did you basically sit in front of a computer and type away or did you longhand into a journal the or was notebook? Longhand. The outline was longhand. The outline was longhand. Yep. I then uh, sometimes with chapters I do an outline on paper or just a, on a piece of paper, what uh-huh. I want to say. And then I would type it, and then I'd go into my computer and type it in. And then, then actually, what I would do, the other thing I could do very easily was I could um, I could have it printed. I could take it. I would I would create a, an outline, and then I on the, a, a computer file and take it down to Costco and have them print it. Uh, uh, not Costco, but uh, these print services around. And then I mm-hmm. learned that I could just, I could just uh, send it to Amazon and they would print it and send it back to me. And it wasn't all that expensive to do. Wow. So I, cr- I created about 50 different versions of my book. <laughs> wow. My, that's, yeah. you know what, just you saying that, for people that are listening and are thinking of maybe making a career change and writing their own book yeah. and hearing you say that is really valuable. You're joking, but in reality, that's valuable. We have so many tools now. Between that yeah, person yeah. that's name starts with the letter A, and if I say it right now, she's thinking I'm talking to her, or the lady that yeah. starts with the letter S and she thinks I'm talking to her. But the reality is, we have so many devices. If I think of something like, oh, my God, I need to remember to call the person about my tires, I could send myself a text. I could send myself a note. I could talk to one of those people that I'm not going to mention right now, and they'll give me a notification. I mean, things are so different now from when you were, when you know, just the technology today is yeah. so different. And the, and the way, I mean, who knew what Zoom was, right? I'm on that. Come on yeah. now. You can Zoom with your doctor. You know, you can Zoom with your family, which I do. You can Zoom with your with your career counselor. I mean, what we're able to do now in technology mm-hmm. wasn't even imaginable when you were writing this book. It's pretty That's remarkable. And, and and the other word, and I, I, I mentioned this pretty frequently depending upon the conversation of who my guest is. So Zoom is certainly one of them. And I, certainly this is a worm that a worm, a word that you will know and that's pivot. 
How mm-hmm. much are we talking about the value of the pivot? And I'm not talking about March Madness on the basketball court. That's a different kind of yeah. pivot. Yeah, right. I'm right, talking right. about where you are actually like, oh, I'm about to make a pivot here. Hasn't that really come into our language a lot now? It has, it has. You know, the other thing I was going to mention, incidentally, for me to get started, I, re- I read several books on how to write a book. Uh, uh, there's, uh, I think it was uh, on Amazon. I picked it up. I I'm looking around for it right now. I'm sitting in my office, and I can't find it, but it has very good ideas. Uh, okay. On, on, and uh, uh, then there was a book, um, a very short book, uh, that was excellent, too. Um, wow. I That's can't okay. find it right People now. People can Google there, it, honey. There, there are People books, can there, absolutely there are books Google it. that they can give, help you think about what you want to say and, and how to say it. And, um, and, 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 and uh, of course, E.B. White was a great author, and, and there's stuff about him. Right. So he, he's a main author. But just, well, let me ask find, you this yeah. before we come to the end of our hour together, which has really sure. been a treat. So. You have a very full and rich life. You, you, I, I love what you're doing um, at the Beacon House. I have heard of the Beacon House in Long Beach. I think it's sensational what you're doing there. Um, but you did mention balance. Um, mm-hmm. And what do you personally do to personally stay in balance in your life? I exercise regularly. Um, I've done it all my life. Uh, late in the day... When I was working, I used to play squash, uh, okay. which is a really a fast game, and and so it's fun. And and, and I, I've uh, then then I used to run on the, around here. Uh, and then uh, when I got older, I started walking, and now now I walk three times a week for about an hour, forty-five minutes uh, each day. And then I actually go to a, a strength and balance a program that I that is in uh, uh, in Lomita actually. Um, where I work out is called Still God Fitness, and so that's what I do. And then I like to read too. So I read night after dinner. You know, I have a glass of wine with dinner, and then I'll read after dinner. I don't do any work after dinner. I just read stuff that's interesting, and and mm-hmm. I'm, I and I go outside and just look around and, and just walk outside. Yeah. It's peaceful, and, and I so I like to relax uh, that way, and. Uh, and that's probably helped to keep my blood pressure down. Yes. <laughs> and and, uh, uh, and, uh, and and so yes, I think exercise was the thing always. And I every morning nice. I've had a bad back, and starting about when I was around oh, 25, 26, 27 years old, I started mm-hmm. doing exercises every morning, and I still do for about ten minutes. Uh, and then, so I walk in the afternoon, or do f- five days a week. I'm doing something vigorous, or at least a fast walk, uh, or not even fast walk. I stopped. I started walking about about a year ago, less than a year ago. I was timing my up to a less year when I walked. I would take, I time myself, and I said, Mike, stop timing yourself. Just walk and enjoy the walk. There you <laughs> so go. That's what I do now. That's what I do now. I just walk, and I have a beautiful place to walk near where I live. And I walk there for about, and it's pretty level. And I walk there for uh, two uh, two miles. It takes me about forty mm-hmm. minutes, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, not very fast. I'm not. And a lot of young ladies that are a lot faster. And I think they go right by me as so I'm standing still. <laughs> Do you ever walk over Terranea? 
You know, I don't. I don't. I, it's a little too far for me. I don't like to drive somewhere. To, I don't. I drive. Oh, okay. Actually, I walk. I walk on Crest Road in Rolling Hills. Okay, I know where that long. is as well. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. The ocean's on it one is. side. And there's and it's a it's beautiful location. Uh, and, it is um, a beautiful location. Yeah, you know, I yeah. think everybody needs to find that. Um, yeah. I know I need to find that because I sit on the anxious meter fairly high. And so yeah, for me right. to bring those shoulders down um, is part of my yoga practice that I try not to ever give up on Tuesday. And it's on yes, Zoom, yes. so there's no excuse not to attend. But like you, right. I also walk. But I also, also like you, looking up at the stars, looking at the sunsets, now that now that yes. you know it's sunset is so late, looking at yes. the sunrise, you know, looking at the clouds, looking at the trees, yeah. all of those things bring me a sense of balance and comfort as well, so that we can be in balance, so that we can accomplish, so that we, you know, in your case, can be a great husband and a great father. All of those things play into who we are as as humans, and yeah. sounds to me like. You you have lived and are living a very grateful life. I am grateful, and, and I'm grateful to be alive. I mean, I, I, I look look at nighttime. You can see the planets because they're they're yes. bigger and they're bigger. And you think they're Jupiter? Is that Venus? What or what? What planet is that? Or then you that? say, and, is that Mars? It looks a little bit red to me. <laughs> yeah. Mars, yeah, Venus, yeah. Jupiter. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I do the and, same and, thing. And, and you think of the universe. The universe is expanding yes. at an accelerating rate. Can that imagine? It's 13 billion years old, almost 14 billion years old. The universe is. The Earth it's is four billion. Staggering. Years old. It's staggering. It is staggering. It it truly yeah. is. And you know, so as we would, while our career paths have not been anything alike, except that we have some mutual friends. Yes, um, yes. I'm sure Bill Lindsay is listening. I'm sure Richard Stafford is listening. Oh, that'd you be know. great if they were. Uh, you know, <laughs> those are some really great men that I got to know oh, they from were. LMU. They are, yeah, yeah. Really, yeah, really they, great men. They, but, really, they really, they did a great job, yeah. They did. And, you know, I just, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time. Oh, I really do hope that people will truly consider checking out your book because oh thank it's, you yes, yes. It, because it's really beneficial and you may be listening to this um podcast thinking well you know i've already retired but this might be a great book for my son daughter whomever yes. my grandson my granddaughter you know it's Somebody you know it, it, told, go ahead that's what somebody told me last night i was at a party and we were talking about and this this couple said, "Oh, that our grandchild is trying to figure out what to do. This book sounds perfect for our grandchild. Exactly. It's for somebody that's trying to figure out what they want to do and they're not sure, and they're willing to spend some time and effort to figure it out. That's what the book's for. Well, uh, I, and it just, could be even, I think it's terrific. Could it could even be somebody that's retiring and wants to know what to do then. Um, and right. we all we all are act. We go through transitions, and if we're not sure what to do." Uh, we just try different approaches, and this is one way to help people think about the approach that they might take. Well, I think it's tremendous, and I just want to thank you so much for being a part of that with me today because oh, I've gained pleasure. a lot. 
I've enjoyed our conversation together. Thank you for allowing me to be anecdotal through this conversation. Oh, Marcia, thank and you. It's, it's just been wonderful, Mike, truly. And um, I someday we'll meet. Maybe maybe you'll find yourself over at LMU, although I can't get on. No, they don't let anybody on the campus right now, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they amazing, aren't really – you have to be a student to be on the campus at this point. Yeah, And that's such right, a magnificently right. beautiful campus. It's beautiful, but, Beautiful. It is a beautiful campus. Um, the, yep. the, the, the West one on down the, up to Ma- up to Malibu. It's just lovely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The Hollywood yeah. sign. You can see it all. So yes. I will yes. wish you a lovely afternoon. Thank you once again for being part of my afternoon with me. I wish you well, all the best. Thank you for having me. This was fun for me. Thank you. Oh, I'm glad. You have a nice, you have a nice day. You do, okay. You do the same, Mike. Thanks a bit. Bye, everybody. I'll be back next week.